guys can grab a seat. If you have your Bibles, feel free to open them up or turn them on to Acts chapter 8. That's where we're going to be hanging out tonight is in Acts chapter 8 as we continue and wrap up a series that we're doing called Unpredictable. And so this is a two-week series. So if you weren't here with us last week, let me just briefly catch you up. Um, last week, we talked about when it comes to God's plan for our life, that's the purpose of this series, that we talked about how we all know who we want to be down the road, but we struggle to know who we should be tomorrow, right? Especially in college, right? We think about God's plan for our life. We think about it being something in the distant. We think about it being a destination later on. And so what we talked about last week, though, is that when it comes to God's plan for your life, it is more decision than destination, And the decision that we talked about was every day striving to look more like Jesus, right? That's what God wants us to do every single day. He wants us to live out the fruit of the Spirit. We talked about that over in Galatians 5. To love, show kindness, show mercy, all those different things as we live our lives with this purpose of looking more like Jesus. So that was last week. That's what we kind of wrapped up with, with this challenge to look more like Jesus. So now we're going to take that and we're going to add to it. And we're going to talk about something else that we need to know when it comes to God's plan for our lives and understanding it. But what we're talking about now is something that we can take with us when we leave JSU and we move on with our lives and we go to different places outside of Jacksonville. And so to do that, we're going to be hanging out in Acts chapter 8. It's going to help us to answer that question, to help us to understand better how we can know God's plan for our lives. So again, Acts chapter 8, we'll have the verses on the screen for you to follow with us if you don't have your Bible. So my junior year of high school, I went on a winter retreat called Walking Wisely. And I was so pumped about going on this retreat because for the first two years when I was in high school, my freshman and my sophomore year, I couldn't go because I played baseball. But I had decided to leave that past or that sport behind me, and I decided that now was this great opportunity for me to go on this retreat. And I was excited because this retreat had so much potential. Because we're going to be going up to the North Georgia Mountains to this campsite that's absolutely amazing. It's called Sharp Top Cove. If you've ever been to it, it's incredible. And I was going to be going with some of my closest friends. So what that meant was for a whole weekend, I got to escape school, I got to escape life, and I got to spend time hanging out with the people that I love the most, right? Getting to spend time talking to all hours of the night, and then between all that, getting to learn a little bit about Jesus. So not in a bad weekend. In fact, in a lot of ways, this weekend looked like it could shape up to be a perfect weekend. But let me tell you, my friends, looks can often be deceiving. Because one of my close friends who went to another school thought it would be a great idea to invite a guy on the trip who he was kind of getting to know. This guy who went to his school... And they were kind of really just starting to get to know each other. And he thought this guy would enjoy this trip. So he decided to bring this guy named Ben. Now there's something that you got to know about me, right? I actually take a lot of pride in my ability to tolerate people. And I know how bad that makes me sound as a person. I understand that. But what I mean when I say that is I feel like it takes a lot for me not to like somebody. I mean, it takes a whole lot, right? Like, I could have, I could be in the car with my family, and somebody could purposely drive us off the road into a ditch. But if they drove by and they waved at me, I'd be like, honey, look. (laughs) He's waving. That guy's my new friend. Right? I mean, like, that's that's just the kind of person I am. Like, I'm just, I would just like 
just about anybody. And so I say that because sometimes I do feel like people come into my life and their whole purpose is to prove that wrong. And I soon found out that Ben was one of those people. Right, because Ben was like that app on your phone that you can't delete. Right, it's always around, and no matter how hard you try, you can't get rid of it. Right, and that was Ben, and I'm aware that also makes me sound like a horrible person. But I'm just shooting it straight with you guys, right? That was who Ben was. And, and one thing about Ben is he did not understand the concept of physical distance. Right? Because what Ben would do is Ben would constantly stand beside me, right, in, in order to interject into our conversations. But when he would do that, he would constantly put his hand on my shoulder like we were taking a family portrait. <laughs> and so it, this absolutely drove me crazy. And so it got to the point that I started counting how many times Ben would do this to get him to stop, right? Because I wanted to, like, make him feel bad about it because I'm really good at being passive-aggressive. <laughs> and so I would just count. It didn't work. Nope. Ben just kept on touching me. He just kept on giving my shoulder a hand hug. But you know what? That wasn't even the worst thing that Ben did. Because there's a really popular song um, that was big when I was in high school called Marvelous Light. All right. Yeah, um, I'll get to that in a second. So um, really, really popular song. And so we were at one of the sessions and we were singing and we were worshiping to the song, right? And, and so it was just one of those times that, man, I was just really getting into it, right? I mean, my eyes were closed, I mean, my palms were out, right? I was just swaying to the heartbeat of the Lord, right? And so I'm just feeling this song, and I'm into it. And so uh, part of the bridge of this song is it talks about um, that we need to lift our hands and spin around because of this light that we have found. So, yeah, songs have gotten much better uh, than they were back then. But that was the bridge of the song, right? So I'm sitting there, and I'm worshiping to the song. And all of a sudden, as I'm doing this, I feel somebody grab my arms, and they start to spin me <laughs> into a circle. And so I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, what in the world is happening right now, right? I mean, who is so childish that they would be grabbing me and trying to get me to spin with this song? And of course, I look up, and there's good old Ben, <laughs> right, just finding a way to touch me again. <laughs> And so I remember just like, that just ruined that worship experience, right? And really that moment was a metaphor to that weekend, right? Because I was just trying to enjoy myself. I just wanted to enjoy being at this camp, but Ben was so oblivious to what was happening around him that he was taking that away from me. And so needless to say, when that trip ended, I stopped all conversations with Ben for a while. I mean, for me, I mean, it was, it was one of those things where I didn't want to talk to him, right? I didn't want to call him. I definitely didn't want to hang out with him, right? I didn't want to talk to this guy. Because of how much he annoyed me on that trip, I had no desire to have a close relationship with him. I mean, I had no desire to talk to this guy and to get to know him any better. And so even though we hung out a lot on that retreat, once that was over, I was done. And for a while... I did not speak to Ben. And so it's no surprise that because of me and Ben didn't talk, that we really didn't have a friendship at all, right? Because one thing that we know about friendships, one thing we know about relationships is the important role that conversations play. Because we all understand that relationships are built on conversations. 
I mean, think about that. Relationships are built on conversation. So what that means is that all the relationships that we have are started and sustained by relationships. Because relationships, I mean, excuse me, through conversations. They're started and they're sustained through conversations, right? That's how we get to know people better is by talking with them. That's how people get to know us better by talking with us. And so whenever we want to stop a relationship, what do we do? We find a way to distance ourselves and we avoid conversations. And because of that, relationships fizz out, they don't continue, and they cease to be. And so what we understand is that conversations are a foundational element of relationships. I mean, they're what relationships are built on. And so today, as we look at our passage in Acts chapter 8, we're going to meet a guy named Philip. And in this story, what we're going to see is that Philip has a choice. He has a choice to build a relationship with a guy that he meets on the road by having a conversation with him. Or he can choose to be like me and not to talk to the guy. And so as we look at this story again, what I want us to remember is the whole idea behind what we're talking about is through this lens of understanding God's plan for your life. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at this. And we're going to find out, besides just being more like Jesus, what else are we called to do in pursuit of understanding what God wants us to do with our lives? And so we're going to look at this story, and at the end of it, we're going to take it, and we're going to bring this together. And we're going to see what we need to do as we leave this place to understand God's plan for our life. And so let's start looking at Acts chapter 8, beginning with verse 26 together, and see what we can learn about Philip. So let's begin reading this together. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandik, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot. And stay near it. Or some translations say, go to that chariot and join him, right? Join the guy in the chariot. So let's talk about, because there's a lot going on, let's talk about what's happening here, right? We have this guy named Philip. Now, Philip was an apostle of Jesus. That's who Philip was. And so Philip, as he's sitting there, an angel comes and visits him and tells him to go down this road and to head south to go to a place called Gaza. And look, I know we're reading the Bible, but we can't let that distract us from this reality that it's not normal for an angel to talk to somebody, right? It's not normal. So this would have been a very big deal for Philip as he's sitting there and this angel comes and talks to him. And based upon what's happening in the book of Acts, I think Philip knew why this was happening. He knew that this angel came to him because God wanted him to talk to somebody about Jesus. And so as Philip is making his way down this road, he comes across this guy, this Ethiopian. This Ethiopian who was worshiping in Jerusalem and is now going back to his home country. And so what this means is because this guy was worshiping in Jerusalem, he is something that they referred to during that day as a God-fearer. And see, what a God-fearer was, it was a non-Jew who worshiped the Jewish God. So this guy wasn't a believer in Jesus, right? This guy wasn't somebody who followed after Jesus. Instead, he was somebody who was still worshiping the way that the Jews did. 
And so as he's sitting in this chariot, making his way back home, he is sitting there reading the book of Isaiah. And he's making his way to go home. And in this moment, what we're told is that something unpredictable happens. Because it says the Holy Spirit comes to Philip and tells Philip to go and to talk to that guy. To walk over there and have a conversation with him. To go and to join him in his chariot. Now, I noticed something that I have never noticed before that I want to point out when I was reading to get ready for tonight. Because if you see, what's happening is that the Holy Spirit is telling Philip to go over and to have a conversation with this guy. And so what this means is that Philip isn't the one who's deciding to do this. Right? Philip isn't the one who's on his own deciding to go up and talk to this person. Instead, the Holy Spirit has to tell Philip to do this. And so what appears to be happening here is that Philip seems to be a little bit reluctant to go and to talk to this guy. He seems to have a little bit of hesitation to walking over to this chariot. He seems to be a little bit hesitant to get into a conversation with this guy. And so because of that, the Holy Spirit has to come into Philip's life and push him into that direction. And because of everything that's been happening with the angels speaking and the Holy Spirit pushing, I think we have every reason to believe that Philip understood that he was about to enter into a spiritual conversation with this guy about Jesus. And so in this moment, in this midst of this hesitation, Philip has a choice to make. He has a choice of whether or not he's going to talk to this guy. And the reason I want to point this out is because I think all of us in this room can relate to Philip. Because all of us in this room understand what it's like to be hesitant to have conversations with people. Especially conversations with people when we tell them about Jesus. And even though we don't understand exactly why Philip is so hesitant here, I think when we look at our own lives, we do understand and we do see why we are so hesitant to have spiritual conversations with others who don't know Jesus. And it's because we have an expectation of how we think things should go. Because if you think about it, anytime we we think about having a gospel conversation with somebody, there are certain things that we expect to happen, right? We bring into the conversation all of these expectations, We have this expectation that we need to make sure we talk about Jesus at the perfect time to keep things from getting really awkward. Or we need to make sure we have this expectation that we need to have all the right answers or otherwise we're going to just look really stupid. And we even have this expectation that once we tell them the entire story of Jesus that we need to ask them to say a prayer. And if we're honest, we don't really know how to do that. And so when we walk into these gospel conversations, we have a whole lot of expectations that are going on in our minds. And see, what happens when we have these expectations is we end up treating people like projects, don't we? We end up treating people like an assignment where the success of the assignment is determined by whether or not they choose to follow after Jesus. 
And because we have this mindset, right, we, we might have a little bit of motivation to talk to them. We might, we might have a little bit of motivation to get into a conversation. But then when we start to try to do it, things become really forced or they become really fake. And we don't like that. And so we just kind of push away and we just say, you know what, maybe, maybe I'm not going to have a conversation with them. Right? Maybe we're not going to talk about Jesus. And so what ends up happening because of these conversations, or excuse me, because of these expectations in our life, we end up avoiding having spiritual conversations with people who don't know Jesus. And so what we see happening here is that expectations remove us from conversations. Expectations remove us from conversations because they cause us to see people as projects. And what ends up happening in that moment is that we become afraid to talk with them because we don't want to fail at our assignment. Because we're afraid that what we expect to happen isn't going to happen in the conversation. Right? The expectation is that they choose to follow Jesus after this, but what we're afraid of is that we're just going to end up looking dumb or we're just going to end up sounding stupid. We're just going to end up ruining a friendship. And so because of that, we just end up avoiding conversations. Because like Philip, we're hesitant. And we're hesitant because we don't want to fail at our job. And we're hesitant because of all these expectations that we put on ourselves. But whenever we find ourselves allowing expectations to remove us from conversations, it's so important that we see what Philip does next. It's so important that we see the choice that Philip makes and what he chooses to do with this Ethiopian man he meets traveling to Gaza. So let's walk through this passage together and see what we can learn about this that can help us understand better God's plan for our lives. So let's begin reading together in verse 30. It says, Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come and sit with him. So Philip chooses to listen to the Holy Spirit, right? He chooses to listen to what God wants him to do, and he walks up, and when he gets closer, he finds out what we already know. He finds out that this guy is reading from the book of Isaiah. And see, it was common in this day, especially with Scripture, to, be, to read it out loud. And so what Philip does is he comes up to this guy and he just asks him a simple question. and says, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And the guy really simply just says, no, I don't. And then notice what happens after that. The Ethiopian invites Philip into his chariot. He invites Philip to join him on his spiritual journey. And then the writer of Acts tells us what it is that this Ethiopian was reading. And that's what we see beginning with verse 32. It says, Then the passage of Scripture that the eunuch was reading, this was the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. 
Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Let me tell you what's absolutely crazy that's happening here. Because out of all of the verses in the Bible, right, out of all of the verses of Scripture, this Ethiopian happens to be sitting here reading a passage about Jesus. Reading a messianic prophecy that talked about what would happen when the Messiah would finally come. And he just happens to be talking to a guy named Philip who has dedicated his entire life to tell people about Jesus. And so he sits there reading this passage. And then we see as he continues to write that he asks Philip a question. Starting in verse 34, it says, The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or somebody else? So what we see happening that I love is that this Ethiopian has a hungry heart, doesn't he? I mean, he has a hungry heart to know what's happening here because he's looking at it, but he's not quite understanding it, right? He's searching it, but he's not too sure what he's found. And so he comes to Philip and he asks this question to him. He says, please tell me. He has a hungry heart to know what is going on. And then in verse 35, we see this is what Philip does. It says, and Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. When Philip notices this guy has a hungry heart, then that moment he tells him about this person he's reading about. He tells him about this spotless lamb who came and was slaughtered on a cross so that this Ethiopian could have eternal life so that this Ethiopian could have a relationship with God. And if you continue to read this passage, what you see is that this guy does, in fact, choose to follow after Jesus and chooses to give his life over to him. But what is happening in this passage is absolutely amazing for what we've been talking about tonight. Because notice what the Ethiopian is doing in this passage, right? The Ethiopian is the one who invites Philip to come sit in the chariot with him, right? The Ethiopian is the one who asks Philip the question to help him understand what this passage is about. And so what we see is even though Philip is the one that initiates this conversation, all he's doing is building a relationship with this guy and responding to this guy's questions and responding to what's happening in this guy's life. He joins this guy on his journey. And then when he sees that he has a hungry heart, when he sees that he is ready to hear the good news about Jesus, then Philip takes the step and he shares it with him. And what we have happening in this story is a blueprint of how we can have gospel conversations with people in our lives. Because the first thing that we do is that we join people on their spiritual journey by building relationships with them, by talking with them, right? If conversations, if that's what relationships are built on, then all we do is we come into people's lives and we start getting to know them, right? We come into people's lives, we meet them where they are, and we start building these relationships with them, right? We join them on their spiritual journey. And for some people we meet, when they're on this journey, we're going to find they have hungry hearts, right? We're going to find that they are where Philip is. 
And they're ready to hear the good news about Jesus. And when that happens, that's amazing. But so many people are going to be in so many different spots when it comes to this journey. And if I had to guess, most of the people that you meet won't be where this guy is. In fact, most of the people where you meet are not going to be nearly as far along. And they're going to be at a place in their life where they don't care about Jesus. Or honestly, they just don't think they need him. And when that happens, don't let expectations remove you from conversations, right? Don't tr- start treating these people like a project because you have this idea in your mind of how you think things should go. Instead, what you're called to do is to build relationships with them. What you're called to do is to join them on their journey, and then you do what we talked about last week, and you show them Jesus. Jesus. And the reason you can show them Jesus is because you're living a life that looks more like Jesus day to day. And so you come alongside them and you show them the fruit of the Spirit. Right? You come alongside them and you live like Jesus and you allow them to see that. And then you wait and you pray for them to have hungry hearts. And see, that's exactly what my friend did with Ben. Because even though I was trying to avoid conversations with Ben, right, even though I was trying to get away from hanging out with this guy, my friend who had invited him to this retreat didn't have that mindset. Instead, my friend came alongside and began having conversations with Ben, and he began building a relationship with him. And he took the time to join Ben on his spiritual journey. And when he did... He just strived to live a life that looked more like Jesus. I mean, he just lived a life in a way that, my, that Ben looked at him and noticed that something was different. Ben noticed something was happening in his life. And I truly believe because my friend accepted Ben, built a relationship with Ben, and showed Jesus to Ben through his life, that that got Ben to the point that he had a hungry heart. Because on another weekend retreat, this time our freshman year of college, as we were sitting in a hotel room in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, Ben told us that he was done playing games with God. And he said now he was ready to dive in. He was ready to start taking his faith seriously. And I believe it was in that moment that Ben truly became a follower of Jesus. And see, eventually me and Ben end up becoming phenomenal friends. I mean, the guy was in my wedding. Man, if you guys met him, you would love Ben. He is such an incredible guy with such an incredible heart. But see, one thing I regret is that when I first met Ben, I wanted nothing to do with him. I didn't take the time to build a relationship with him through conversations. I didn't take the time to join Ben on his spiritual journey. And I didn't take time in my life to look more like Jesus so that Ben could see something that he hadn't seen before. And so because of that, I didn't get to be the part of this process the way that my friend did. And I didn't get to be a part of the process of playing a big role 
and been coming into a relationship with Jesus. You see, the reason that my friend did something that was incredible is that he did something unpredictable, didn't he? He did something unpredictable because when other people just wanted to dismiss Ben, right? When other people like me just wanted to avoid conversations with him, my friend chose to get into Ben's life to build a relationship with him and to show him Jesus. He chose to do the unpredictable. And he played a huge role in Ben coming to know Jesus. And so what my friend did is something that we can't forget And it's something that we always have to remember whenever we are tempted to allow expectations to remove us from conversations. And what he shows us is that people are people, not projects. That people are people and not projects. And since people are people, what we do is we build relationships with them. We join them where they are on their spiritual journey And then when we do that, we do the unpredictable. When we do that, we live our lives in a way that show them Jesus by living out the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And so we show them Jesus by choosing to forgive that person who broke up with us harshly. And see, we show them Jesus by choosing to show kindness to that professor who seems like they just want to fail everybody. And we show them love by choosing to be like Jesus. And regardless of who they are or how annoying they may be, we continue to show them that they really matter and that they really care. And I believe if you will do that in your life, you'll see a lot of bends. You'll see a lot of people whose hearts become hungry. He started to have this deep desire to know more, right? He started to ask questions the way the Ethiopian does. Because they want to know why you do things that are so unpredictable. And see, the way this ties to everything that we've been talking about in this series is that you can do this wherever you go. Regardless of where you live and regardless of what career you have, you can choose what we talked about last week and what we talked about tonight as you live your life. Right? You can choose to look more like Jesus as you live out the fruits of the Spirit. And you can choose to build relationships with people and to join them on their spiritual journey and then wait for them to have hungry hearts and then to tell them about Jesus. I mean, all of us in this room can do that. And all of us in this room, that is what God is calling us and wanting us to do. If you want to know God's plan for your life, that's what it is. God's plan for your life as a nurse is to look like Jesus and to show people Jesus and to tell people about Jesus. God's plan for your life as a teacher is to show people Jesus as you look more like Jesus. Whatever God is calling you to do and wherever God is calling you to go, that's what he wants you to do. Don't get focused on the destination. Don't get caught up on where you're going to be because wherever you go, your goal is always going to be the same. Your goal is going to live your life in a way that somebody sits in a hotel room in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and they say, I am done playing games with God and I'm all the way in. That's what God's plan for your life is. 
is to live like Jesus so that you can show people the amazing love and grace and goodness of a God who chose to get slaughtered on a cross as a spotless lamb so that we can stand here forgiven, accepted, and loved and spend eternity with him in heaven. Don't ever lose sight of that. And so my challenge for you today and to always, regardless of what career you get into, regardless of where God calls you after you leave JSU, and regardless of where you end up, is to always do the unpredictable. Always live your life in a way that points people to the God who loves you. Build relationships, join people on their journey, and show them Jesus. Do the unpredictable in your life. Be more like Jesus. And wait for those moments that you can rejoice with heaven. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much that you are a God who calls us to look more like you. And in our process of looking more like you, you invite us to build relationships with people and treat them as people and not projects. To treat them as those who are made in your image. And so often when it comes to our thoughts of your plans for us, God, we get so caught up in the destination that we don't think about the decision that you're calling us to do day in and day out. And that's to look more like you. And then to join people on their journey. And when we see that their hearts are hungry, when we see that they have a deep desire to know more because they're asking questions and they're reading things, God, and they're wanting to know what it is that's going on in our life that they don't quite understand, then we can be like Philip and we can show them the good news of Jesus. God, don't let expectations remove us from conversations. Lord, don't allow expectations to, see, to cause us to see people as projects. But instead, let us see people as people. As those who have a deep heart desire to know the God of the universe. And God, maybe we'd be the ones that show them that. And when we do this for our good, but most importantly, for your glory. And in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.